Welcome to Box to Box Football. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Box to Box Football. Week six of the Premier League season is in the books. We got a uh, three-man crew today. I'm Kyle, joined by JJ and Stu. I think Newcastle just scored again uh, as we're getting ready to to start this show. 8-0 for, for Newcastle. Um, big result for them this weekend. Uh, by the way, lot- Kyle, did you uh, enjoy that lady in the stands at Bramall Lane just cracking open a book at 7-0? <laughs> like, as we all now know, bring books to the football. Bring books. You know what? Uh, it was it was probably more enjoyable than what was going on on the pitch for a Sheffield United fan uh, because that was that was not good. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised Paul Hecking about him, not the first manager sacked uh, today. To to be honest, after that, that was a total capitulation uh, by Sheffield United. Uh, you know, in, in Newcastle, uh, obviously a great result for Newcastle uh, coming off a nil nil midweek in the Champions League against Milan as well, but. We have a, a, a big week on tap, a, a lot to talk about here, guys. And, and I want to start with uh, the North London Derby, where it was Arsenal 2, Spurs 2. Uh, Arsenal took the lead twice in that game. Uh, Spurs came back to equalize both times. And, and at the end of the day, uh, it, it finishes all even. Who's more happy with this result, JJ, Arsenal or Spurs? Well, happier with the results, definitely oh. Spurs. Yes. I mean, you know, they, they came in with a plan, uh, to be fair. I know at times, you know, they had to play without the ball for long stretches. They had to defend knowing that Arsenal at home with the crowd behind them, North London Derby, you could throw all the cliches out there, but they knew that they were going to have to defend for large stretches and then be clinical and ruthless on the counterattack. They did that once um, with Madison, of course, able to get himself in line, find Sonny who scored the second one. I don't know if that's just good counter-pressing or Jorginho just having an absolute stinker there. But again, you have to be ruthless when the opportunity presents itself. And Sonny did what Sonny does best. For Arsenal, I think both goals actually could probably say a bit fortuitous. Um, The own goal, I mean, Romero, as a defender, you're just trying to stretch there. You hope you get some on it to knock it away. Would the keeper actually save it? Who knows? The second one it's always going to be the question of what can the defender do in that situation when you're stretching and you're lunging to block a ball with your foot, you can't put your hands down because that's really just an awkward motion. Ball's eventually going to hit the hand, but I guess letter of the law. So be it a clinical finish by Sokka, of course, on the pen. That's the recap, but yeah, to really take the question to consideration, I think Tottenham are going to build on this um, because now you know, they had the, the start that they had, but now they're getting into that real tough part of the schedule because it doesn't get any easier this week. We'll mention a little bit with their match on the weekend at home to Liverpool, but you take confidence from that performance into that one, and then you start to see, okay, is Ange Ball now permanent, and is it going to have them shoot and stay in the top four, or is this just a one-time fad? I know I just want to t- touch on the, the penalty for Arsenal as well that went against Romero. You you did, you know, you, you hit on it there, JJ, because I know there was a discussion on the broadcast about whether that was a penalty or not. And it's this, this we kind of see it week in and week out with the handball law and what is and what isn't. Uh, and, and I thought it was a penalty because the arm hit in, in this case is outstretched from, from the body. It's outside that, I don't know if you want to call it the, nat- the, the silhouette of the body. And when the arm stops a direct attempt at goal, I think that's got to be called a, a penalty. Um, so, so I actually thought that that was one. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Saka, you know, stepped up and, and knocked it in there, but that lead only lasted a minute 
because then Jorginho gets robbed of the ball. Spurs go down and, and, and Sun scores it on the counter. And, and Stu, uh, bring you in here because I, I, you look at Arsenal. Arsenal has now dropped four points at home, right? The, the draw against Fulham and the draw against Spurs. Is this something that's that going to look back on at the end of the year and um, you know cost them an opportunity to, to perhaps win the title? Yeah, it, it very well could. And if you look at you know who they're competing with, the likes of Manchester City especially, who – doesn't look like they're dropping points anytime soon. They've just been an absolute machine. So, yeah, anytime you drop points, it's going to be a – if you're a title contender or even a top four contender, it's going to be tough. Um, yeah, it, it, I look, I like it more from the Spurs. I thought they were the better side. They'll be happier with the result. Arsenal, on the other hand, it's not the worst result in the world. You, you draw against a team as good as Tottenham. It could always be worse, but at the same time, yeah, there are holes, right? Like you see – Declan Rice go out with an injury. As soon as he leaves, that kind of leaves a bit of a hole in that midfield. And you bring on Vieira, you bring on Kai Havertz. They don't have the impact that you would want them to have. They don't have the impact that uh, a Granadaha had last year. And it's, it's it's such a it's a loss. And they really didn't replace it, right? Like they got Declan Rice, who was a very good player, but at the same time, you lost with Zaha brought to your team. I don't know. It's just, it's just, they're missing a piece and they're missing a few pieces and they have the goalie situation right now, which looks like Raya's the guy. He looked okay. You kind of see what uh, Mikel Arteta sees in him, what he brings to the table as someone who can do maybe a little more uh, than Ramsdale, but at the same time, JJ, it's, it, it's not the best from Arsenal right now. No, it isn't. And something that was really fascinating in watching some of the post-match analysis, and this is a common trend for Arsenal under Arteta during this current rise, is his in-game adjustments in terms of his substitution seem to be just very questionable. So I'll run down the, the four changes that he made in the span of the match to at halftime. Uh, Declan Rice uh, and Vieira off. We hear that Rice might have picked up a bit of a back injury. We're not really quite sure of what happened there, but he's off. Jorginho and Havertz on later in the match. Jesus off, who I thought was fantastic in that match. And Eddie Nketiah, I, I like Nketiah, but I felt that in that situation, he probably should have been the guy that comes off for Reese Nelson. And then Saka comes off at the end of the match for um, Emil Smith-Rowe. It just always seems that for me, Arteta just, he, he tries to be, like Pep a little bit, right? Because obviously they work together. He's kind of the protege, if you will. Pep always has this knack, right? Of whenever the very few times that cities got their backs against the wall, he makes that right adjustment. It seems with Arsenal, it always is just, huh? Wait, why did he make that move? Like you're almost trying to overcomplicate things at some times. I feel like his 11s that he chooses, you hardly can like, ask questions about and maybe it's just you know the the level of the standard on the bench I'm not quite certain I'm not someone that's managed in the Premier League to tell you right or wrong but it just feels like something is always slightly off on the in-game adjustments and I feel like maybe and this specifically with the Jesus one never should have come off or never should have even made that change in general if Rice is hurt okay but in reality if he was even at 80 percent he's probably staying on the field Havertz I mean, I know he's become the butt end of a few jokes now, and it, it's hard for the guy because he's he's trying his best with this club with a kind of a tough past for him, but didn't need to make that change for me either. So I feel like less micromanaging and more just worry about the 
tactics and not so much the changes. Yeah, and he, and he started uh, Enketia and Jesus together. Yeah, and I thought they were fine. Yeah, and I thought they were yeah, and I and I thought they were fine. I like that. Um, but yeah, they're they're came in with Kai Havertz and, and like you said, he's a guy I, you know, I kind of feel bad for in a way. He's almost like a sympathetic figure. Uh, it didn't quite work for him for Chelsea, and and you wonder if, you know, maybe a fresh start at, at Arsenal in that in that team in that setup would maybe bring the best out of him. Um, you, you could kind of play him. He's not really a number nine. He's more of like a, a second striker, Kai Havertz. And it, it's just been more of the same. He, he's he's not been able to score goals for them. Um, and, and like you said, like he is trying. Like this is not a lack of effort. This is a player who is who is really, really trying hard. Uh, and, and it's just not coming off for him in, in the Premier League. And uh, you, you have to wonder if it ever will. And, and to wrap up our, our discussion on this one, Stu, is, is Spurs for real? Like it is is Ange ball? Is it for real? Like can Spurs ch- hang in there and challenge for the top four? I think they definitely get challenged for the top four. Actually, right now I would definitely put them in the top four. I know it's early, um, and there's still a long season to go. But at the same time, you look at what Ange ball has brought to the table, along with some of the guys they brought in, particularly James Madison. I think James Madison's just been an absolute. he's really good amazing signing one of the best signings of the all season what he's brought to the table and after losing harry kane he you know he's kind of now obviously not the same position but he's come kind of come into place and been and it's just an integral playmaker with with son kind of playing up top um i do think they can finish top four and they also don't have european competition which also helps them so they're not going to have as many games they got knocked out of the uh the league cup which for better or worse you know and maybe that wasn't the best look for them, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's, it's less games, so it's more Premier League games to focus on. So for them, I think that's going to help them, and I do see them right now as a top four team. Yeah, and I, I, my big question with them is where are they going to find the goals once Harry Kane went to, to Bayern Munich, and that hasn't been a problem. Sun has looked really good playing through the middle. Uh, you know, Kulisewski has given them something on, on the left ever since he came in from, from Juventus. And then uh, they, they started Brennan Johnson today and came in on deadline day from Forrest. And then unfortunately it looked like he picked up a, a hamstring injury there uh, at, at the end, but I thought he looked lively in his, in his time that, that he was on there. Um, you know, my, my question, I guess for, for Spurs moving forward is whether uh, they're able to sustain this sort of pace that they're on. Um, and, and will they be good enough defensively, particularly when they go in and, um, you know, when they, they play the likes of, of, of a Brighton, when they play a Newcastle, when they play an Aston Villa, when they play a City, when they play a Liverpool um, coming up next week, and whether they can continue to hold down the fort uh, defensively as as well, um, which I think is a good transition here because I wanted to talk about Liverpool next. Uh, the Reds 3-1 over West Ham, Mo Salah from the spot. Uh, Jared Bowen equalized for, for West Ham. And then Darwin Nunez uh, and Diego Yota in the second half to, to make it a, a 3-1 victory. Uh, another goal for Nunez, Stu. Uh, and he was a guy I, I thought, if you remember back to our, our, our preview show, I said, you know, you know, Liverpool needs a big year from Darwin Nunez. Like they need him to come good for them. Um, and he's produced in some big moments uh, this year for them. So the question for I have for you is, is Liverpool a genuine title contender here? Just two points behind Man City six weeks in. Yeah, I, I think they'll finish second or maybe third. I think they – so – are they kind of, but at the same time, I think they are a little bit off of Man City. Like, I don't think this is going to be Man City winning the league by two or three points. I think this is going to be more of Man City winning the league by seven, eight, nine points. I like what I've seen from Liverpool a lot. They've impressed me, especially after that Chelsea draw match week one. 
they've kind of shown me a lot. Uh, resilience against Newcastle, playing a man down for 60 minutes and coming away with that win to Darwin Nunez goals towards the end of that one. Uh, a really good game against Aston Villa right before the international break. Uh, very good against West, uh, West Ham, obviously, this week. Darwin Nunez again with a goal. I think Nunez is someone who, after Holland, could be second in goals, maybe third. I, I think he has that kind of a talent. Like, he 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 needed that first year to kind of get his legs under him. Um, he had a good amount of goals last year, but still a little disappointing. Had a lot of misses, a lot of goals where you're like, oh, that probably should have been a goal for a season striker, but for someone who at his age and in his first year in the Premier League didn't really have the finishing. Um, I think if, you know, all things come together, he could be a guy that scores 30 Premier League goals this season. Um, but yeah, the, the title contention is tough. I think they're, again, the second, third best team in the league, but I think the defense, there's going to be games where they lose because the defense doesn't hold on. They give up, you know, a few sloppy goals, which they actually did uh, to start off this game. The first 15, 20 minutes were, were rough. Uh, they they turned it around later on, but they could have easily been out 2-0, which is pretty much the story of Liverpool's season uh, this whole season. Pretty much every game other than that Chelsea game, they've started, I would say, on the bad side. So if, if they don't defensively get together and start games off better, they're going to drop points sooner or later to some of these teams that they shouldn't. Um, and when they do that, that's when City's going to pull away. And, and that's why I think City's still the the team that wins this, but I think Liverpool's behind them second or third in the league. I think that's the hardest thing about trying to compete with City is that, that you just can't drop points in any of any games against these these teams that are maybe mid-tier or but like because City is not going to do it. Like City is going to win those games. Now see if you're Liverpool, you still have two games against City. So as long as you can keep yourself in striking distance, you can at least spin it to yourself that hey we're going to play them twice. So we have the opportunity to beat them twice. JJ, you drinking the Liverpool Kool-Aid as a title contender? Um, I need to see what comes out of these next two league matches because I think this is, if we're going to talk litmus test, this is it. You're away to Spurs, away to Brighton. If you can go get even, I, and I know we're talking about like how you have to be perfect to in order to give yourself the opportunity of cushion because you have to get results off city to even to give you that little, like, okay, we can have one mini slip up. But I think if you can go get four points, I mean, if you get six points, put that in the back pocket. Thank you very much. But if you can get four points off of Spurs and Brighton on the road with a, a league cup fixture and a Europa league fixture sandwiched in and amongst that, I think, yeah, you, you're definitely looking Champions League, almost no doubt, as much as it pains me to say. But um, I, I think that they're, the, the Nunez effect has certainly now taken over because, one, I think it's taken a lot of pressure off of a few players where you don't need to rely on a Salah. You don't need to rely on Jota or others to go get you goals. I think that helped. I think I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago where that was the – what was it his um equalizer against Newcastle that was almost kind of like his coming out or like remember me I'm here party and then of course he gets the winner which is like okay now I am here that helps I think this is kind of the um the real true test of what Klopp's team is and by the way so I did want to hit on one thing that you mentioned about of the slow starters I mean this is one of those where especially where you're talking about a West Ham team who just a couple of days before this match were absolutely atrocious in their Europa League match against 
the team, uh, what TSC Baca Topola, I think I maybe have said that right, where they go behind and basically hold the ball for 95% of the possession, couldn't get goals, and then they get three inside of what seven minutes, give or take. West Ham, if they started like they did against City, we'd be spinning a different tail right now. Yeah. We'd probably be saying that West Ham are leaving Anfield with at least a point, maybe more points. And that's where I think I'm more – you asked the question earlier, Kyle, about who are you happy with the result if you're Arsenal or Spurs. I'd almost be more happier with the performance of West Ham if they started better. Now, coming into this weekend, they have Sheffield United, who just gave up eight. So you could even afford a slow start and you're likely going to at least get four goals in that one. But if you put the gauntlet down early, I think West Ham are coming away thinking, yeah, we go to Newcastle right before the international break. Who says we can't get six points from six heading into that off period? By the way, just uh, quickly, Liverpool, uh, EFL uh, Cup third, third round. They host Leicester midweek. Then it's at Tottenham. Uh, then a Europa League against uh, Union St. Gilles of, of Belgium at Brighton before the, the next international break. Uh, so it's certainly not an easy stretch of games for, for Liverpool coming up. Um, so Which, by the way, uh, Go ahead. Yep. Stu, you you and Mike are going to be okay, right? Like, there's going to be no hard feelings one way or another. I know we, we should give a shout to Mike because he's under the weather right now, which is why he can't join us. But you guys going to be good? I think it'll be okay. To... okay. I, I mean, Leicester's had a few good moments against Liverpool these last couple of years, uh, particularly a couple of years ago. Um but yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. It, it's one of those things where uh, <laughs> if Lester comes away with a win, I won't be the most heartbroken. I don't know if you know. I, I know it's not a great way to look at it. I, I like seeing Liverpool get far in these competitions, but if you know, it, it's a lot. It's a lot worse if they lose a league game or a Champions League game. If they lose a Carabao Cup game, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll deal with it. I'll live. I'll say that. You know, what? Mike. Mike will probably feel the same way because I'm sure he's he's more invested in making sure Lester stays in the top two in the championship, because you don't want to get sucked into that, that yeah. the sort of the unpredictability that comes with being in the, in the championship playoffs. Uh, so I, I want to move on to a team that can't win at all right now. And that's Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea loses at the bridge one nil to Aston Villa. Uh, Malo Gusto gets set off for a, a, a bit of a reckless challenge there after a VAR review, uh, you know, Ali Watkins, uh, then in the 73rd minute, scores the game's lone goal. Uh, the, the struggles continue for Chelsea, JJ. Uh, just two wins from their last 18, dating back to, to last season. If you go back and, and stretch that out, that's 15 points in Chelsea's last 18 Premier League games. Like, like that is relegation-level form from Chelsea. Now, I don't think that is going to happen. But this, this struggle is real right now for them. And if they don't get out of it soon, they – they could find themselves here uh, in a little bit more of a mess than I think anybody anticipated. Well, I mean, just, you know, if we're, we're going to go into overreaction mode, guess who's on their coattails right now? That'd be Everton Football Club and <laughs> Wolverhampton Wanderers, who a few people in this podcast had at least one of those teams going down this season. So that's, can you hit the panic bells? Maybe. Um, going back to reality here. I mean, look, there's... <laughs> there's so many issues at hand here. What can you do right now if you're Chelsea Football Club? Because you got to get not... healthy. Sorry, you, you got to get yeah health. healthy. So, is certainly part fine. of it. Healthy is fine. This isn't Pochettino's fault by any stretch of the imagination. 
this could be i'm going to take rebecca lowe's words directly from her where this could be one of the slowest rebuilds ever but the end product could be amazing it's very possible um I mean, and we spoke about it what this time last week, where if you fire a manager, well, who are you going to bring in? You, there's no one that's really good available right now. At what point, and I actually, Kyle, I want to pose this to you a little yeah. bit. At what point do you start putting the finger on the players to say, this is unacceptable, you're professionals, and you're getting paid very well, I might add. Start representing the badge that you're brought in to do play better right like it can can we at least like take some of this off the manager and i know again the the injury thing is one thing but like the players are available are very very good footballers i i agree the the thing is though you can't right that it's easier to change the manager than it is to change the players sure during during the course so the manager is always going to be the fall guy in in situations like this but no i i totally agree with you because the manager can't go out and put the ball in the goal like the players have to do that. If you if you watch that game, Chelsea is getting in positions to score goals. It is not like this is a is a Chelsea team that's not getting its like not close to the goal. Like Nicholas Jackson was in one v one against the goalkeeper and he didn't score. Right? Like you have to put those chances away. You cannot keep wasting chances. Or this is what happens to you because there are the teams in this league, teams like Aston Villa, teams like Brentford, they're going to play Fulham in their next game, in the next league game. Those teams are good enough if you are wasteful in front of goal that if you give them, if they get a chance, they can punish you. Or you do something stupid, like you get a guy sent off for a reckless tackle, right? Like you can't do that. Like my team, like my team is struggling right now, right? You have, right? I cannot get sent off if I'm a Chelsea player, to put my team at a disadvantage uh, because we are not in a position right now where we can win a game where we go down the 10 men. It, it's just not going to happen. And at some point, I mean, yes, the players have to take responsibility and, and do it themselves on the field. They are the literal metaphor that Keanu Reeves used in the replacements that Chelsea is in quicksand mode right now. Because you run and run bad thing, if one bad thing happens, then another bad thing is going to happen. So yeah, I think that's a really well taken point where you, the onus and yes, yeah, so obviously the the manager is always going to be the fall guy. It's easier to replace one than to replace twenty three. But at the same time, I I think right now with the amount of managers that have come through this club and the amount of absolute chaos that's going on, I mean, I've spoken with Chelsea supporters right now, ardent supporters that are carrying more, and this is no slight when I say this because the women's team is a fantastic side, they're caring more about the women's progress of preseason than they are of their Premier League side. And again, I'm a Advent supporter of women's football, so watch your local women's team regardless. But that just shows how low things are right now in West London. And as you say, it's walking distance between Stamford Bridge and Craven Cottage. I've done that walk, by the way. It's a very nice walk. Um, I could foresee Fulham taking three points along with a bunch of other teams, and it's just going to be another swoon of a month of October for the boys in blue. But, Stu, does the ownership at Chelsea have the patience to see this project out with Pochettino? I don't think so. I, I 
I think they should. I think I don't think Pochettino should be blamed for this. I don't think it is his fault. I think it's the recruitment. I think it's the guys they've brought in. I think it's all the money spent on, like you guys have said, talented football players, no doubt. But just a not the right mix, and b again, we've said it probably a dozen times on this podcast already. You spend that money and not get a established striker is just absurd. I just can't fathom spending all that money. And again, Nicholas Jackson's a guy who. Okay, it looks like a guy who could in a few years be a, a very good striker. Um, but at the same time, you, and I know they have Nakunu waiting in the wings. He's still, that's, that's a loss, right? Like they figured he would come in and give them some of those goals, but Raheem Sterling isn't the same player that he was. Modric, I don't know really what he does other than runs really fast. Unfortunately for him, like I, I know he was a guy that a lot of Premier League teams wanted, but I don't really see really where the goals are going to come from him. They have, you know, Enzo Fernandez is a very good midfielder. I think he's good. Caicedo's, yeah, all these guys are are good players, but at the same time, it's just like it's just like a guy coming in and buying FIFA and playing FIFA and just randomly buying players to his team and hoping it works and it just doesn't work. So I think for Pochettino, it's if he doesn't get some results quickly here, he's going to be the one that gets blamed. But I don't think he should be the one that gets blamed. See, I, I agree. Like, I think stability would be good for Chelsea right now, even if it means you have to struggle through a season where you finish 12th again, right? It, and it may not look great, but I think if if you judge it in terms of, you have to look at it like, okay, you're not going to finish in the top four if you're Chelsea this year. That is, we're six weeks into the season, and I think that is gone. You are not going to finish in the top four. But if you can see progress on a week-to-week basis where at Christmas they're starting to play well, Right. And, and the results are starting to to pick up. And yeah, there might be some they're going to be ups and downs. But I think that that stability of where you can start to see the manager's ideas starting to be the players starting to execute that and then the results start to follow. I think it would behoove Chelsea to just remain patient here with Pochettino. Don't panic. Don't don't sack him. And then you end up into who knows having three managers in a season again. Right, and, and it turns into a bigger disaster than it already is. If anything, this should be a cup year for Chelsea, where if it's not yeah. going to work in the league, you can accept it for what it is, but a club can get rejuvenated by having yeah. runs in a cup. I mean, even to some extent, Newcastle last season getting to the League Cup final. I mean, everyone in England kind of has that competition of the three that the Premier League teams are in as the lowest of the bunch, but you know what? You wouldn't know that by the amount of fans that traveled down, which is a long trip from the Northeast to Wembley Stadium, but they were there in their masses. Yeah, it could be a low cup, but it go and win something for Chelsea. Win the League Cup. Make an FA Cup run. Find a way to get that fan base back believing again as opposed to leaving in the 75th minute. I just want to run down the rest of the results for the weekend. We already kind of hit on the top. Newcastle's put eight past Sheffield United. Uh, Man City continued its its perfect start for the season. Six wins in six games. 2-0 over Forrest. Uh, scored both of those goals, but then before Rodri got sent off for uh, pushing Morgan Gibbs-White in the face. Um, and Manchester City actually held on a little bit at the end there. Had to do some defending, which you don't usually see them have to do, uh, particularly at home, particularly against Nottingham Forest, uh, but able to get the result. Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil, uh, a, a goalless draw in Selhurst Park in a London derby. 
Man United won. Burnley nil. JJ, just real quick. Man United thoughts that kind of got back uh, got back on the right track today, able to to get a win over Burnley, which still is without a win. IMO one nil away from home is the best result in football. Um, out with that being said, it, look, it's elementary to say, it, but winning in sports is hard. I know Manchester United should go to Burnley. 10 times or nine times out of 10 and come away with three points, but a club that is in, we don't know where they are in mentally right now. If you string together a couple of one nils. Okay. It's at least something to build on while 10 hog tries and get the pulse of what his club is right now. Johnny Evans, by the way, I know people take the absolute mick out of him, but he had a class performance, a goal that was ruled off. Un- unlucky for him and then it plays a great ball over the top to Bruno to smash at home so Evans proving that it wasn't just a joke of a signing to bring him into preseason he's actually a needed body right now that's uh, and all I Bright- got yeah and then Brighton three Bournemouth one uh Brighton actually comes from a from a goal down uh Bournemouth kind of gave him a gift there at the end of the first half and then Matoma comes on scores uh within the first minute of the second half then he scores uh uh, an insurance goal for 3-1. Brighton, by the way, up to third, 15 points, three off the pace for City. Uh, but, guys, I, I did want to kind of look at the bottom of the table there um, because Luton got its first ever Premier League point with a 1-1 draw against Wolves. Uh, actually, uh, went down. Wolves went down a goal, then went, went down a man, then up a goal, and then Luton equalized from the spot in the second half. Uh, and Everton beating Brentford three to one. We were just hammering Everton on the pod last week, Stu. They come out, they show a little resilience. They go on the road, they win at Brentford. And all of a sudden, what a difference a weekend makes. Everton not in the bottom three anymore. Not in the bottom three. They actually, you know, played a decent football game. I know Brentford's a team that can give people some problems. I know they're, you know, between Tony being out and Raya being gone and some of the injuries they've had, it's been a little bit of a, a, a banged up Brentford team, but at the same time, you take you take those points every time. If you get three goals, you get three goals. So that's a very big performance for Everton, Dyche's club. Um, yeah, and just the the looking at that bottom there, it's those three, the three teams with one point or the three uh, three promoted teams. So we've yeah. seen how tough of a time it's been for for those teams. It's it's a rough it's a rough group, especially Sheffield losing eight nil to Newcastle. But those three teams, those three promoted teams, it's it's going to be a long, long road, I think, for yeah, probably it, all three it, of them. And, JJ, that doesn't happen often where all three of the promoted teams all go back down in the same year. Usually at least one of them finds a way to, to scrap to survival. This year, could that be different, JJ? Um, I'm still – well, I'm going to have to obviously walk back my – well, then I thought it was an okay prediction. Now it seems like you're absolutely off your rocker that <laughs> Burnley were going to be in the European places by Christmas. <laughs> it's still possible. Uh-oh. It is still possible, it, it, by the way. Uh, but with that being said, I still think Burnley have enough in that club once they get it, – it's kind of the same thing in baseball, right? I know, yes, this is an American podcast. But once you start hitting, it's contagious. Once you start scoring goals, it's contagious. And once you start leaking or stop leaking goals, then you stop leaking goals. And James Trafford shows what he has. I think they're going to be okay. It's funny, though, that you say the bottom three are almost never the three that come up. It really, in this league, surprisingly should happen more, which I guess is a great testament to 
some of the clubs in the championship. And I still always say that the championship from a neutral perspective is arguably the most entertaining league in the world um, as a not top tier league in terms of the status within its own country. But I, st- I, think, I think it's there's a, top a 10, I mean, I think it's a top 10 league in the world. The English that's a statement. Like wow. the, the second division in England. I think it's a top 10 league in the world. I was going to say top 10 in Europe. I'd have no issues with that, but uh, okay. Hey, your opinion. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm listening, but I, I think the champ, yeah, I think the championship is, is better than some of the second tier. If you want to call them second tier leagues in, in Europe. I mean, maybe not the, the top tier, right? Like you look at the, the top of the Eredivisie, obviously there's some very good teams there. I know Ajax has got some problems right now, um, <laughs> but, but right. Like the championship's a better league than the, the Scottish Premier League. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like, I, that, I'd like, say I if you're going outrageous world. I mean, I, I guess you could, if you're going like the Brazilian league and the right and the Argentinian the Argentinian league, or, league or, and the league Japanese league and yeah. a few other leagues I think in the there. Cha- that, I think the championship is right. Like nine, 10, if you really wanted to rank them, I, Liga MX will have something to say about that as well. Well, so will MLS. Uh, but no, I, I think the championship is just is right is right in there. It's a super competitive league. That certainly yeah. is is nobody would dispute that. Uh, Luton, uh, Luton, first points. Something to build on, Stu for for for, for Luton. It's gonna be a long road. I, I I do. I'm glad he got the point. I you know I'm sure they'll get more. They're gonna get more. Um, it's just a matter of how much more. I don't think it's going to be too many more, but uh, it was good for them to see uh, a result where they they got some uh, got a point, which is which is nice for them. Well, they're in a great patch in their schedule right now because they're away to Everton this weekend, and then they have that makeup match against Burnley that had to be rearranged when they're still fixing their stadium. Hey, lads, this could be like four points for them. Yeah. Very very possibly yeah. could be four points for them. And then all uh, of a sudden you are joking about like how Chelsea are just outside the relegation zone. Four points in this current era of the Premier League still in the first quarter of the season. That can get you up to 13th or 12th position. And I don't and you, say that with a smile on my face. I'm deadly serious. Yeah, and you feel better about yourself when you look yeah. at the table. Like Everton feels much better about itself today than it did before the game started this weekend. Um, but we were not Bournemouth at all. No wins yet. Nah, not worried. Not worried. No, ty- I, I no, Tyler, no Tyler Adams yet either for, for Bournemouth. Obvious, obviously. I, I, yeah, they've they've got the pieces again to be successful, in my opinion. I think it, they're kind of in that same stage of a few other clubs that once things start to click, they'll figure it out. We were kind of slightly concerned about them at periods last season, and then they figured it out uh, to get them over the line. I think they have just enough in that squad that will uh, – be good enough for them by the way Brighton isn't that other boat with West Ham about needing to start better because Mm -hmm. similarly to that Europa League match against Athens which I did watch from start to finish they they need to come they've got the energy of the Amex there's no question about that but they have to be more clinical up front and they have to stop making these bonehead mistakes out of the back I mean what is the keeper doing uh, what was it it's the early stages oh, of the game where Verbruggen basically just hands the ball to Dominic Solanke and says here you go Here, here's an open net if you want to play look I've always I always say this and I say this to every every young player every young forward always pressure the goalkeeper when they have the ball at their feet there's a reason they're a goalkeeper and not a center mid 
So, right. So if you're going to play out of the back, well, that's, that's one of the hazards of playing out of the back. And I know everybody does it now, right? And that's, that's how teams want to play. If I was coaching, that's how I'd want my team to play, to keep the ball to build out of the back. But when you do that, one of the hazards of that is you, when you get pressed or, you know, you have a goalkeeper trying to play out of the back, that can happen. And you can, you're going to give away some sloppy goals from time to time. Even Man City, if you go back and watch the course of the season, even Manchester City will give away a sloppy goal playing out of the back. So that's that's my uh, that uh, EFL Cup coming up on on uh, Tuesday and and Wednesday. Uh, I think Newcastle Man City probably the the headline game of the round there. Uh, any thoughts on the on the third round of the the EFL Cup? Uh, there's actually a couple of really good tasty matches in here and Liverpool Leicester. Be... I think Liverpool Leicester as well. Yeah, Liverpool Leicester is there. Um I'd say Chelsea and Brighton that could be yep. one of those that could be again a, a, a turning point for either in the season. Brentford again it's difficult to get points or results off teams at the uh the G Tech or the Brentford Community Stadium as a lot of people still call it. Um I think probably that the tasty match of the tie would be Ipswich home to Wolves because Kieran McKenna's club continues to play some very, very eye-opening football. And they played a seven-goal thriller this past weekend against Blackburn. So, hey, you know what? That's their first opportunity to lay that early stake in the ground to say, hey, we're not just here to tear it up in the championship. We're going to be a problem in the cup too. And that is actually on ESPN Plus tomorrow. So yeah, uh, and I on Tuesday, and I actually so like watch it. I yeah I actually like watching some of those teams from the you know you get a chance to maybe maybe you don't watch them regularly on a on a Saturday because you're watching the Premier League and now you have a chance of whether it's the EFL Cup um, or or later the the FA Cup to see some of those like an Ipswich that is uh, right now joint top of the championship. You say okay that could be a team that's in the Premier League. Let me get a let me get a look at them. Is that a team who? Um, you know, can go and, and, and spring an upset. Let's see how they play, how they look against the team in Wolves, which is struggling in the Premier League. Ipswich flying high in the championship. Let's see. Let's see what those levels look like between those teams. Absolutely. I'm shocked you're bearing the league, Kyle. We, we finally get Fulham Norwich. They, they finally play oh, each other. They're playing each other. I, finally. If they may not ever play another league game against each other. So we've got to <laughs> settle for uh, for for cup matches. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, but, quick trivia, quick trivia. Yeah, what year is the last time that the two clubs played a match against each other? Oh, it's, it's gotta be, uh, it's gotta be like six years ago. Yeah. March. Well, five technically, I guess, uh, March 30, 2018 at Carrow road two nil to Fulham, the goal scorers, uh, Johansson and, oh, what a throwback this is. Tom Kearney. Tom, well, he's still there. <laughs> Tom Kearney, one of the guys, he's, st- he's still hanging around at, at, at Fulham. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it'll be, it's, it's just kind of one of those things that's, that's fun to to joke about because they seem to, one got promoted, the other got relegated, then it flipped and promoted relegated. Well, well yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe it'll happen again. Norwich is, Norwich is in eighth in the championship, so um, – <laughs> You know, but maybe, maybe, maybe they'll come. I think Fulham's going to be safe again this year. I, I, I feel pretty good about Fulham staying safe. Um, let's see anything else from around the world. Anybody wants to wants to jump on before we wrap this up? 
Yeah, how about the the Madrid uh, derby uh, on Sunday? Yeah. I know Atleti with a three to one victory. Uh, they've looked decent this year. They've actually kind of looked a little more progressive offensively. I've I've been impressed with them. Thirteen goals in in eight matches, which for them, you know, sometimes they could play those one nil uh, snoozers, but they look pretty good. And for a Madrid side, who's always so talented and so good, you see a few holes, right? Like you see. Uh, you know, David Alba, he has, he's had made a couple mistakes this year. Uh, the midfield, you know, you got Modric and Cruz in that midfield, a, a little bit older. They're relying a lot on Bellingham to score goals when they don't really have a striker. Uh, Vinicius has been in and out with some injuries and some illnesses. So it, it, La Liga's open, right? Like Barcelona's looked really good. Uh, Letty's looked better. Uh, you know, Madrid's going to be there in the end, but I think it could be a, a three way race at the top there in La Liga. Yeah, and actually, actually, Girona has matched Barcelona with yeah. five wins in a draw to the first six games. I don't know if Girona is going to stay there, uh, but certainly a, a a good start for them. Uh, Bellingham, by the way, has been everything uh, yes. he was built up to be for Real Madrid. What what a great player! I, I think he could be a future uh, Ballon d'Or um, guy. Definitely, yeah. As a Liverpool fan who thought he was getting Bellingham for around a year, uh, give or take uh, twelve months. Uh, Stings a little, but uh, you know he he's a he's a fantastic football player. There's no doubt. Um, in term, well, first off, folks, I was at a wedding this past weekend, so all of my catch up came this <laughs> afternoon. But in terms of the, let's just throw this out somewhat into left field and see if it sticks. Um, Breast, I believe, is the correct way to say the league uh, leaders right now. That's that is a big result for them, actually, hosting Leon. Get a winner in the 87th minute from uh, Steve Mooney. I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this league kind of goes about right now because the way that you have the top six, you only really have one traditional power right there. Nice is in second, 12 points from six matches. PSG level with Monaco at 11. Strasbourg with nine. And then Le Havre with, or excuse me, Strasbourg with 10. Le Havre with nine. And then you, you start to see some of the big hitters. Leon's in 17th of 18. Oh. Montpellier, 13th. Lille, 10th. Marseille, 7th. I mean, Marseille probably the team's the most likely to jump back into it. But I'm not the biggest French football expert, but this would be something to check back in in like November to see how right. things are going. And do any of these, you know, what they kind of often say, the rabbit that jumps out quickly, can they hold up? get themselves to that January transfer window and maybe put some pressure on the big boys. Yeah. And PSG in, in third, a, a little, maybe a little bit of a slow start by PSG standards. They did beat Marseille four nil at the weekend. Uh, one thing we also saw from PSG in, in the champions league is we saw them unveil that new attacking trident um, of uh, Mbappe, Dembele and, and Colomawani, who they spent a bunch of money on. It's not quite Neymar and Messi next to uh, uh, Mr. Mbappe, but it's still, uh, a, a pretty darn good trio. I think one that could be pretty dangerous. I, I would be surprised if it's not PSG again uh, in that league, but it's certainly something to to keep an eye on um, as Brest and Nice have, have both got off to good starts. Uh, Monaco's also right in there at 11 points up, even though our guy Balogun missed two penalties uh, uh, this weekend for, for Monaco. Uh, keep, keep, you know, keep, keep, keep your head up, get back out there. Um, but uh, yeah, something to, to certainly keep an eye on. Uh, mine was going to be from from Holland, where there's all sorts of problems at Ajax. Uh, they had to suspend the match against 
Firenord. They were down three 0 in the 55th minute and got 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 rowdy. It had to stop the match, and now they're, they're they want them to to resume it on Wednesday in front of empty fans. But Ajax doesn't want to want to do it on Wednesday because they had another league match scheduled, and and the league is saying no, you have to finish this match. We'll reschedule the other one. Uh, but just not you know not good. And and I hate when you get those headlines about how the match had to be stopped because some people couldn't behave themselves. Um, and, and look, I know look, and I know you're frustrated as fans. Uh, because your, your your team's not doing well. Ajax is down in 14th place. It's got five points from four matches. It's going to lose that game to Fire Nord. So you're looking at, at at five points from five matches, and that's not the Ajax standard. Um, but like, it's just I, I I hate that for football when you get these 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 situations like this where you, you know people can't you know behave themselves and they start throwing stuff on the field and then the game's got to be stopped and then we have all this nonsense that we, we have to talk about in, instead of the, you know the, the action on the field oh that is a wrap on box to box football uh once again make sure you follow us on on twixter on instagram uh spotify wherever you get those podcasts you know how it goes uh, it's box to box football uh as always thank you for joining us uh, we'll be back Thursday, uh, probably look at the, the EFL Cup, that, that third round, recap that, look ahead to, to match day seven of the Premier League as well. Thanks for joining us.